0: Blog Talk Radio.
1: Welcome to You, the Best Invention Ever, featuring host Valencia Lyle Saunders, a show dedicated to inspiring you to invent something incredible, your life. you're there. I'm right here. Okay, great. We're having problems. So I'm going to connect Valencia through my phone because there seems to be an issue. So just hold on. Okay, sure.
0: I'm on the phone Hello Yep Hello Hi Hi we are live We're all
1: here Hello mm-hmm. <laughs> Oh my goodness Steve is this you? <laughs> it was me Welcome to the Talk Express Network Up next, you The best invention ever
2: I'm doing a radio show interview.
1: Hello. Hi. Okay. Hi. Um, today, today is going to be one of those days. I'm not sure what's going on. I'm not sure. <laughs> I have think the aliens right have now. interfered. Yeah, I think the aliens have interfered. So let's catch up <laughs> people who who are wondering what's going on, too. Today
0: <laughs>
1: is... um. Today is Saturday, right? Let's start there. Today is Saturday, <laughs> and um, this is you—the best invention ever. It's glad—I'm glad to you know catch up with you all on in August. It's the end of summer. Some people have gone back to school. Some people are getting ready to go back to school. We're all trying to get in that little bit of extra vacation, squeeze in some more good times before we have to focus on work and school and getting back to the daily grind. Well, today, my show. Our show is about UFOs, and I'm going to be talking with one of my favorite folks on all things paranormal and intuitive, Steve Parker. And we've had a conversation once before about UFOs with Steve, and if you don't recall or if you do remember, he has been visited. So I'm really eager to catch up, and I've got some new questions and um, things for him. Hey, Steve. Hi, how are you? I'm good. How are you?
2: This is the birthday edition of the show because my birthday's on Monday.
1: <laughs> I was getting ready to say happy birthday because I knew it was coming up. A little birdie named Bernadette told me. <laughs> Reminded me that it was your birthday coming up. So happy birthday.
2: Oh, thank you. We won't we will forget the year. We'll forget the number. <laughs>
1: There's no such thing as time.
2: No, there we, isn't. It's all timeless and ageless and um it's it's just a grand the grand illusion. <laughs> yes. And we're in the UFO territory, so all rules do not apply. <laughs> <laughs> right. Time travel is possible, and
1: quantum leaps are always happening. There you go. And crop circles, whatever those are, <laughs> you know, it's all good. It
0: is. So, so, you know, I think with this
2: topic, if I can say so, um, I think it captures the imagination and fears of the masses because when you're talking about UFOs and the pos- and the probability, not just the possibility of... Um, other beings, other life forms, you know, throughout the cosmos, <clears throat> it takes us beyond our um, everyday issues so that no matter what kind of struggles and crazy things are happening here on this planet, when you're talking about that, it's something that um, transcends all all of it. And so it's a very vast subject and
1: um, it's one that is universal. Yeah. I try to do a little investigation myself on who's out there and who's looking at this and there's, there's two um two kind of I don't want to call them agencies organizations kind of stuff. <coughs> mhm. And one is called MUFON. Yes, Mutual UFO um network. Yeah, wow, you know them. Um yep. and they seem to be, you know, have a pretty vast um like they're really organized, and they seem to have very a lot of information. In
2: that, mm-hmm. They're very down to earth in that they try to thoroughly research the reports that come in, and they don't, you know, they don't um, run off, um believing in, in every little um, theory or pie in the sky. They investigate very thoroughly. So yeah, I, I trust Mufon. I trust
1: them. Wow! And there's another a website called openminds dot com and they oh, do UFO, UFO news and investigations mm-hmm. and and that one I I saw was a little um it was interesting because I couldn't really tell what they were trying to get us you know they had videos so I was like well I don't I don't think that's a UFO <laughs> <laughs>
2: Yeah, there, there, there. You have, when you're talking in in about this category, there are some people that just want to take every little light and every little shadow, and they say, "Oh my God, it's somebody
1: yeah. from Mars." <laughs> yeah. So it's so interesting to see two total opposite ends of the spectrum that I found. I was like, mm, "That looks like some kids playing with an airplane or something." <laughs> 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 <UFO>? <laughs> Mhm, mhm, And then, on the other end, you see this other you know site that's really devoted to research and you know having a place for people to look up things and like you like you described, they thoroughly go out and, and do an investigation and say yay or nay right from if their I can't perspective. determine what it was first
2: first, I think what they you know what what they strive to do at at first is to come up with all the possible linear or concrete explanations for what the phenomena that's being observed might be. And when they can't come up with a concrete or scientific or valid um, analysis of what it is, then you can start to theorize that maybe it's something extraterrestrial or something at least unexplainable.
1: Right. And what's interesting is UFO means unexplained objects. Right, unidentified, yeah, flying on. Um, okay, so, but we, but we take it to mean um, that it's an alien. <laughs>
0: yeah,
2: it's become synonymous with uh, Steven Spielberg and Close Encounters and and um, little almond almond eyed creatures landing uh, and
1: <laughs>
2: either abducting right. us or at least interacting
1: with us. Yes, so. So, you know, I I like to watch, um, like, these Korean dramas, and I have a favorite one, and it's called My Love from Another Star. And it's about um, a visit from another planet, a group who comes to visit, and they probably come to just, oh, look at that. Let's see what's there, and research it, and then go back home. But unfortunately, one of them gets left here, and they can only return every 400 years. So he's stuck on Earth for 400 years. Mm -hmm. So... um, Mm -hmm. That being said we have been we have become so interested in what's out there, and I was wondering what's your take on this because we are so interested in them is that making them more interested in us?
0: <clears throat>
1: I think what they're doing just my it's just this this is
2: simply my theory it's not i'm not trying to say that it's you know the gospel truth. But I think mm-hmm. that they're monitoring us to see how much awareness or how um, intelligently we're approaching the subject matter of, of otherworldly neighbors. Um, and I'm sure that there are those groups of. I, I mean, I think just like you have um, different races on this planet, you have different people. You know, people in Maine, people in California, who have different social order and mm-hmm. you know, different different geography. I think you have a variety of um beings or life forms that live throughout the universe. So some of them are probably watching us rather cautiously because we're not a very settled uh, race. Of no.
0: We're <laughs> kind, kind of rested.
2: We're kind of buck Yeah, I think we're kind of a, not a failed experiment, but we're kind of we're, we're still a you know, we're, we're still in the world, so to yeah, we're 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 a project in the works. I don't think that we're we're not done. We're not done baking in the oven yet.
0: <laughs> no. But I definitely think that there not. are
2: those that are watching us um to see what we're doing and then there are others that are probably inspired to interact with us. But there but you know um one of the facets that's interesting to me personally is that you know I live in New Hampshire and New Hampshire back in the 60s was a real hotbed of UFO activity. There are several rather classic examples. One was um, a couple named Betty and Barney Hill from Fort Smith, New Hampshire. They were an interracial mm-hmm. couple. He was an African-American man. She was a Caucasian woman. Um, with a, mm-hmm. In fact, she was a Caucasian woman with a really thick New England, almost Boston accent. So when you heard wow. her talk, his name was Barney. She'd say, Barney, <laughs> like that. <laughs> And she was a, a, a child welfare worker for the um division of children and youth here in New Hampshire. She died a few years ago, maybe l six years ago. But oh, wow. she and her husband were returning from a from a summer vacation in Canada and they were coming through the White Mountains in northern New Hampshire and when they got home over the course of several weeks they realized that they couldn't account for several hours of their trip and they were really bothered and each of them, both of them separately, were having these these what they thought were nightmares about being stopped in the road and, and encountering a group of strange people. But then, as the dreams increased, it wasn't just people; they were beings. Um, mm-hmm. What are commonly known as the Greys. You know the 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 little guys with the uh, bald heads and the, the, the almond shaped eyes with with the gray with the gray skin. And mm-hmm. so they went to a psychiatrist who actually knew hypnosis, and he put them under. This was in Boston. They went down to Boston. And um, what emerged was um, a story of, of an account of what happened to them. And so that's a very famous um, – there was a television movie made um, about it. Um, there's a really good book called Captured, the Betty and Bernie Hill UFO Experience by Stanton <laughs> Friedman, who is a retired um, military and, and, and science expert. Um, I've seen him speak before. He's very intelligent. He's probably the most knowledgeable person on this subject matter in, in the whole United States. Um, he lives up in Maine now, but he's originally, I think, from, I don't know where he's from originally. But um, And then there was another book called Incident at Exeter, E-X-E-T-E-R, which is a a small city or small t- a large town over on the eastern part of the, the state I live in, and in the summer of 1966, for one whole week, everybody in that town, just about, including the police department, saw, you know, multiple UFO um, sightings. They, they had multiple UFO sightings. And so this man, John G. Fuller um, from Connecticut, who is an author, wrote um, a book that became quite popular called Incident at Exeter. So, and that was all, you know, in the 1960s, and as as time went on, of course, there weren't very many people living in the state. The state now has, you know, maybe two million people, which isn't a lot of people when you consider New York City. But I mean, for right. a, for a small, small rural state, when I grew up here, there were only about five hundred thousand people in the whole entire state. So wow. you probably had you had a lot more terrain, a lot more wooded area that was remote, and I, and you had mm-hmm. the White Mountains. So I think um these vehicles were coming in and out because they could be less you know, less easily detected. So um, Right. So living in a place that traditionally has had a history of many sightings that are still going on. There oh, there was a really great um and it didn't really make the news here, which is really strange, but uh, MUFON and other sources several years ago maybe Four years ago, two teenagers were parked in a car up in the middle of the state in what's called the Lakes Region, and in their town, and they were making out. And all of a sudden, the girl stopped and she pointed out the window, and there was a red light up in the sky that was moving around. And then it started coming toward them. Um, within oh my minutes, gosh. the whole car was lifted up into the air, and she was screaming, and he—they were really scared. And then, and all of a sudden, the whole thing stopped, and the car just dropped down to the pavement. And it damaged the underpart of the car and it also chipped off um pieces of the of the concrete on the pavement. And they ran off to the police station and there's photos of, you know, the damage that was done. There's no way they could have done this themselves. I mean they weren't
0: right. they, they didn't make
2: this up. And so that did not you know, in this day and age, things like that don't really make the national news anymore. Back in the in the I'm day surprised in they didn't the take out their their camera phones and start taking pictures.
1: Maybe well were, I think they were
2: so shaken that they probably did, they probably didn't know you know they were reacting at the, in the moment and, and
1: mm-hmm. yeah I
2: kind of wish they had yeah I wish there had been even more proof if they had had their camera phones and they and you know but they didn't so but that's 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 a documented case that uh, Mufon regards as an actual encounter mm. and that happened here as well I mean well not where I live in the southwestern part of the state. Um, and the state is kind of shaped like an upside down drumstick, so it's 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 a kind of skinny. It gets very skinny at the top, and it goes up into what's called the Connecticut Lakes. Nobody really lives up there. It's, that juts off into Canada, but there's so much remote area up there up there, and I think that may be a clue as to why um, some of these visitors, if you will, um, probably mm-hmm. choose this choose an area like this because it's you know it's mountainous
1: and it's remote. Mhm. And of course, so I I'm, I
2: think every. Go ahead. Sorry. <laughs> no, no,
1: you finish, finish, finish. I
2: was thinking that you know everybody is probably familiar with the um, the the name Area Fifty One, which yeah. is supposedly um, a military a a a, a privatized closed um, military base or former military base in um, I believe Nevada. And mm-hmm. there's no access to it. And when Jesse Ventura was governor of um, Minnesota. I think it was his son and several other young men and, and and Jesse went to Area 51 and tried to um gain access to the the restricted areas. But um they they weren't able to well, well one of them went you know went past the uh the limit um and and went in but he came back and and he said we need to leave here. So I don't know what he saw. I never never heard the you know, a follow-up to the story of what this young man saw, but he said, "We need to get out of here." So, so um, you know, that area supposedly houses um, laboratories where they've studied um, aliens that have been injured or died in in crashes, such as the, you know, the the very famous Roswell, New Mexico incident of 1947 uh, or mm-hmm. 48. Um, so, supposedly, they that's where they house crashed UFOs and and. They've done autopsies, you know, but th- but that's all, you know, kind of conspiracy theory because none of it's been proven. Uh, right. So, so
1: but, I know that you, you've you had an encounter with um, visitors. Well, I can't say I've had a close
2: encounter of the third kind, you know, not that consciously that I know of. <laughs> I can't I say that, so you right. know, somebody has that come and actually remember. touched me or what's that? That you would remember.
0: <laughs>
2: but yeah, exactly. That I would remember, and I don't think you know. I'm not that I'm a, not that I'm a, a fearful person by nature, but I don't think I'd want to
1: remember. <laughs> no, me either. I don't I think would, so I would either. regard
2: you know an uninvited visit as kind of intrusive, like a home invasion or something. Right. But I did see out in the back of um, where I live. I still, I'm currently living where in the house that I grew up in, and it's up in a pretty highly elevated area and and it's still very remote here there's really there's a neighbor across through the woods in a colonial house and then across is a a little um fire station and an old-fashioned building that's been made into a library um but that's basically all that's immediately across or beside my house so up Mm -hmm. in the back as you're going toward the east the the field rises up and there's a lot of trees i mean in fact if you look on google on um on um was it google earth if you if you look on on the computer all you're going to see my friend in california said well where do you live you know do you live in a tree because <laughs> it's on <all> the trees <laughs> and close.
0: i said no no That's there's close, a house actually. there if you look
2: cl- you yeah, have google maps if you look if you look closely enough you'll find me but anyway up in the mm-hmm. woods when I was quite a bit younger, and I and I, no, I was not doing drugs. No, I was not drinking. <laughs>
0: um,
2: it was a very clear February night, and it was very cold. Of course, it was dead of winter, but it was a very clear night. There was no storm, and um, the moon was over on the toward the west and mm-hmm. over toward the eastern part of the woods and back of the house. Suddenly, I'm standing down in the driveway, and I talking to a friend, and all of a sudden. We look up and silently this big um white orb rose up out of the woods
1: and it it really? came
2: clearly right up and then it shot off to the south um west and silently and just it just went, but it was only you know it was like a you know this was like a seven second you know appearance it came up mm-hmm. like it had been like it had landed and had been in the woods well, many years later, I found out from um the people who are living there now the the um, the son of the the woman that owned that land uh, moved in many years later, and now he and his wife are probably about eighty years old now. But he told me a few years ago. I I carefully described what I had seen to him. Of course, they're very logical, very intellectual, very you know. The, the, I don't think he really wanted to entertain that there was any extraterrestrial or otherworldly thing. But what he mm-hmm. told me was that in those woods, in the, approximately the spot where I saw the thing rise up. There's an opening there's a clearing there's a whole there's a circular area where oh. there's no trees and I wow. never knew that and he said they were walking in there one day and they found this metallic part, and they thought it had come off of like a military vehicle so I have not yet i i didn't i don't know I felt shy and didn't want to ask them if I could see see the piece, but you know i I've thought of it many times i thought I wonder if they still have yeah. that that item because i bet it. You know, I'm betting it did not come off of a military vehicle. <laughs> I I don't think so, right? So this, <laughs> but that was, you know, that was. What's that? This clearing in the woods. How big is it? It would be big enough to for a small helicopter to land in, like a like oh. a helicopter that could could contain two, you know, adult sized human beings. So it's a fairly substantial clearing. Right. But what I saw was not a helicopter, and it certainly wasn't swamp gas. Back in the 60s, the government um, did an investigation in Michigan, and it was was a big joke back in the late 60s, early 70s, because their expert, Dr. J. Allen Hynek, um, Mm -hmm. they did a thing called Project Blue Book, and they were trying to debunk all the UFO sightings because there were so many in the 60s. Of course, you had the Vietnam War going on, so there was a lot of activity, and you had a lot of assassinations. You, You know, you had... Martin Luther King, you had Bobby Kennedy, mm-hmm. you had John, Ken- you had and Malcolm X. You had a lot of, you know, really right. unruly. I mean, when young kids say, "Oh, I wish I lived in the '60s," I'll say, "Well, if you had lived in the '60s, you would have been subjected to a lot of unrest." You know, there, right. yes, the music was great, and yes, there were you know the, the the hippies came along, and there was peace, love, and all that. I said, but there was an awful lot of feeling of impending doom. I mean, I remember being told, you know, we did air raid. Um, tests or or exercises where we had to hide under our desks in Mm -hmm. case of a nuclear war. So anyway, Dr. J. Allen Hynek was um, working with the military, and they had him go out to Michigan, and he said, oh, I think what these students at the University of Michigan are seeing um, off in the distance is swamp gas.
0: Swamp (laughs) gas?
2: They said swamp gas will make, you know, make, you know, luminous orbs rise up in the air, and they said, they're just seeing swamp gas, there's no UFO, there's no um, extraterrestrial crafts out there, and so it became kind of a joke that when somebody would ha- have a sighting, they'd say, oh, you're just seeing swamp gas. Swamp gas, swamp gas, get over it. <laughs> I mean, even you're in Brooklyn, New York, seeing UFO, but you're going, <laughs> but you're seeing swamp gas. <laughs> like, we
1: have swamp gas here? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> so, I mean, there were there think I I mean, public hysteria, yes, I get it. Um, they don't want people to be hysterical or or see things when they don't see things. But I'm kind of thinking and this is based on the 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 drama that I was watching. If they're here, they're here. <laughs> right.
2: And there there are those people that believe that some of the Visitors from certain areas, certain areas of the um, cosmos, are um, have already assimilated into our into our midst, and that they're able to affect enough of a human appearance that people don't know that they're not human.
1: Right. I and, so and I would take
2: it that the character in your in your in your little um, show mm-hmm. probably looks very human.
1: Absolutely.
0: So, so nobody would be wise wiser. Looking,
1: no, until he, he does things like drinks and he can't control himself. <laughs> and <he laughs> Yeah, that was like well. I know a few people that drink and
2: don't control themselves, but <laughs> I not think they're aliens.
1: Very you It's probably very
2: alien.
1: <laughs> we don't know. <laughs> <it>. <laughs> oh, well, you know, come to think of it,
2: um, that brings to mind, there was a movie in 1981 called um, John, um, Director John Sayles, did, did, mm-hmm. He's an independent director. He's very he's fairly well-known in, in cinematic circles. He did a film called um, The Brother from Another Planet,
0: and it yes. was um,
2: starring Joe Morton, one of my favorite actors, yes.
0: I who um,
2: was an alien. Um, and the thing I thought was so interesting is this is 1981, and he assimilated as a human being, and he assimilated as a human being in Harlem. <laughs> yeah. So yes. he was... And at one point, he didn't know what a heroin, you know, what heroin was, or what a what a needle was, and he injected himself, or he became okay. injected, and he experienced um, a heroin reaction. But he was able to completely um, he he was affected very very violently by it. But then he was able to completely heal it and throw it off as if he had never had the um, the junk in his system. And that was you know. So I think that you know you probably. Have some visitors who are able to transcend some of the things that affect us, and of course, these people think, "Oh well, you know, the standard thing is if you see a sci-fi movie and 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 an, and an alien that's disguised as a human, their eyes start glowing, and <laughs> energy
1: comes out right. of their fingertips, <laughs> right? And all kinds of very, you know, reactionary things you can't dismiss when you show up. like, oh, it's an alien! <laughs> Of course, then and you so have your. Never you know, there—I don't know. Um, there, there have been accounts of people who have say they have encountered them, or um, seen them close up. But how do we really know what they actually look like, or how many different species of aliens they are that come by, drop by for a little visit? Maybe we're a vacation spot for some people, for some beings. Like, let's go to Earth.
0: Have you been to Earth?
1: Well, there's people that have, that have even theory.
0: speculated
2: there's people that have even speculated that we are a hybrid experiment that we are we share d n a with some of the um visitors and that we are i don't want to say a failed experiment but a controversial experiment because we have the tendency to be violent and reactive and then there's mm-hmm. other theories that some of the beings are coming here because their races are dying out and they need to intermingle with us. You know, such as um, in the abduction scenarios where um, under hypnosis, different people, uh, women have said, or even men whose sperm was extracted or women that remembered being pregnant while under, but their baby, um, the the baby was taken out of them later, but then they were revisited, you know, years later and they were introduced, you know, under, um, you know, while they were in a altered state, they were introduced to their hybrid children but they weren't able to keep the children because the children couldn't survive in this atmosphere. Of course that's all the stuff of, you know, grand science fiction as well, but you know, it could mm-hmm. it's, it's plausible. I mean, why couldn't why couldn't that be true? And in the, hey. uh, the book I mentioned before about Betty and Barney Hill,
0: mm-hmm. she
2: remembered under hypnosis a very detailed map that the if she she was communicating telepathically with the um, the leader of the group of aliens that took them aboard, they were taken aboard a ship. Their car was stopped, and and, and they were actually taken aboard, and they were experimented on. And she remembered that the guy um, told her, the, the alien told her that, you know, she would not be harmed, but they did what was called, you know, they did like an amniocentesis on her, and that was before amniocentesis was ever done on Earth. It wasn't wow. really this and she was shown a map and under hypnosis she recreated the map that she saw while she was supposedly on the ship and the map um actually charted an area of the universe that scientists did not chart until 10 years after she saw this
1: and Whoa. it's actually
2: it's it's in the what they call zeta reticuli area of the universe and that's where the aliens told her they came from, because she asked them, where do you come from? And mm-hmm. so she absolutely believed, you know, she believed all her the rest of her life that this was valid and that it happened to her. And there were those people that thought she was kind of eccentric and, and, and whatnot. But like I said, she had a very down-to-earth job. She worked for, you know, she worked for the Welfare Department. Well, there are some people that say working for the Welfare Department is not a down-to-earth <laughs> it's job.
0: That, it's a very unusual job. Very but um, like she she did talk about
2: this and she did um, meet with groups and she simply discussed her, you know, experiences. And she always believed that they would come back and that she would see them again. I think, I don't know if she claimed, ever claimed to have seen them again, but um, nonetheless, she described the ones she saw as the classic little gray beings with the um, insect, you know, the big, dark, almond-shaped insect
1: eyes.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: You know? There well, that, some of these, I'm
1: sorry, go ahead.
2: No, no, go ahead.
1: Do you think that they are attracted to certain types of people, or is it just like a random sampling of human life? I think just like, you know, um, scientists have
2: studied and, and doctors, unfortunately, before there were more ethical procedures put in, where we have studied animals, and in some cases they've you know slaughtered animals in the laboratory to try to test them, or they've subjected them to cancer treatments you know to try to see if they can mm-hmm. come up with a you know you know a cure for humans. I think there are those that probably treat us as as test subjects there are others that are more conscious and perhaps a little bit more principled that regard us as valid you know feeling you know beings that they they that they respect you know respect life i mean I don't know what their life expectancy or span is compared to our own cuz we don't you know we don't really live all that long. But mm-hmm. um, like in your show you said the man um had to remain on earth 400 years. Well, we none of us live that I know of are going to live to be 400 years old, not in these bodies anyway. Right. The so that's an interesting, you know, difference between and then there um I was listening to, and I hope I can mention this other, you know, radio show without um,
0: <laughs> conflicting. Oh with yours, no, but go ahead.
2: There's a Bye. show called Coast to Coast America, and they 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 talk about a whole host of, you know, bizarre topics from um, UFOs to um, you know gremlins to vampires, mm-hmm. and they talk about everything. And on that show, they had a, they had an ex military man who said that he thought that there were 17 or 18 different. Um, variations of different beings from different parts of of the of quote, unquote, outer space
0: <laughs> and <he said laughs>
2: some of them some of them were not very nice some of them were there's there's um the popularly held belief that some of them are what, are called reptilians that they look like what we would regard on earth as reptiles but they but they but they walk you know they walk you know they have two legs and they're they stand upright but they have reptilian really? features and they're supposedly Quite fearsome and um, and not prone to being very friendly and and not adverse to uh, pretty much killing us. <laughs> wow! So the reptilians are not, and then of course you get the conspiracy theories where they say, "Oh, well, there are humans that are you know inter- intermingled with with reptilians." So they're saying people like the Bush family and the. And um, you know Hillary Clinton that they're reptilians, you know. And I'm thinking, oh come on, you know, give me a break. How about
0: Donald? <laughs> I, I know he seems kind of reptilian. reptilian to me. He's crazy.
2: What's he? What's he covering under that swatch of hair that Thank never moves?
0: Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. There's
2: something under that. there. It's a third. There's a third eye under there or something. Right. <laughs> I know. So, but, I mean, this man gave a very convincing talk about, you know, the um, the not-so-nice, you know, aspect of this. And he said, you know, it was – and one reason they don't out themselves more is because oh. they don't feel that human beings can handle the information, and they might panic and freak out. And, of course, the first instinct of a lot of human beings would be to grab their guns or – start firing yeah. you know yeah. their weapons at these people
1: and i think they're very you know smart to realize that we that we're reactionary we right. are a very right. reactionary society Mm-hmm. we are and so, of
2: course what? we don't we do we know that that's been resurfacing lately i mean i'm I, i'm just going to throw this in i've you know said to family and friends lately i said i feel like we're I wasn't even born then but I was thinking, you know, we're back in like 1951, you know, back in 51 in the in the Congress of the United States, you had this Senator McCarthy from I believe Wisconsin who theorized that everybody was a communist. Everybody was some kind of Russian agent or communist who yeah. was out to, you know, destroy our society and destroy biblical values and all that so that then they started blacklisting people by accusing different people in Hollywood anybody that had any creative ideas was suddenly you know a rebel or a, or a communist and mm-hmm. i feel like we've gone back to that and you know the word now is terrorist um and
0: right.
2: and this was pre civil rights era and now we're having you know resurfaced issues not that they ever completely went away but we're having resurfaced issues with with racial tension and so I'm thinking, mm-hmm. wow, we've gone full cycle all the way back, you know, but we're we have high we have high tech but we've got nineteen fifty one all over again. And so yeah. it's really interesting. So I've been, you know, doing some research into the area of, of the UFO sightings and there's been an increase in UFO sightings. But of course it's not being reported in the media. Because the media is more interested in stirring up, you know, controversy with within all the topics that they're being doomy, gloomy about with everybody. But there's actually been an increase in the last three years that there's more sightings being reported to MUFON than ever before.
1: Now, do you think this is a reaction to how we are behaving yes, here on they Earth? Do. And they're yes, like, I do. "Oh, they're kicking up dust again. We got to go back."
0: Yes,
2: I think that they're watching because they're they're thinking, wow, they've got more technology, but they're reverting back to being you know primitive behavior again. We better keep an eye on this.
1: Yeah, it's like the, you know the, we gave the two year olds a gun. <laughs> yeah,
2: exactly. <laughs> oh my perfect god! Perfect example. <laughs> and then, so of course, if go you've back.
0: got
2: if you've got antagonistic beings they're also going to get, you know, become more active because they're going to say, oh, say, you know, they're going to say, see, they're not to be trusted, let's wipe them out. Right,
1: and they're coming close. They're coming out, you know, they're out of the playpen now. So we are venturing further out of our planet and off our planet, and they're like, no, 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 now the two-year-olds have a gun and a flying machine. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. And you know, the...
2: The sightings themselves have taken a little bit of a different turn, even though there's you know, there been an increase and we have this whole atmosphere going on humanly. There's been more open sightings near Los, Los Angeles now is one of the most prevalent areas for UFO sightings because, not because people in Southern California are crazy, it's not that at all. It's no. because they are right on the ocean and there's oh. what's called... Um, Unidentified um, USOs, unidentified submerged objects, where they're coming um, in and out yeah. of the. Hey. Yes, and um, I have a friend that lives in Playa del Rey, which is right on the ocean, um, and she sees things like that, you know, quite frequently. And then the military will fly over, and they'll be putting their spotlight on the on the water, and you know, no, the public is no, nothing. No explanation is ever given to the public, and. So the in- incident of um, sightings, California, Southern California is one of the highest areas. And back, you know, in in the 60s, it was not. Um, there was a famous incident in the 1940s, long before even the term UFO was used. Like I think it was during mm-hmm. World War II, actually 1941, where there were objects flying over Los Angeles, and the military was sent out to actually shoot at them. So, and there's newspaper articles. I mean, they're they're not, you know, this this isn't hidden information. This is information that's available. And so right. what were they doing? Who were they having the gunfight with? They couldn't Of course, you know, it was World War II, so they thought, "Oh no, it's, you know, it's it's enemies from another country." Yes, but it was Japanese or the, of the yes, Germans. Yeah, exactly. They thought it was they thought it was because of Pearl Harbor that it might be the Japanese, and it was mm-hmm. not. You know, they never identified who they were shooting at. And then the a couple of weeks before I was born in 1952, um, there were there was a slew of sightings in Washington D.C. Now, this you know,
1: is, it, is it is this the Truman like they came to the White House? There was a meeting with some. Well, um, there's
2: a theory that that um several of the presidents predating you know the you know Obama and Clinton were in mm-hmm. on you know the knowledge that there were you know aliens interacting with humans. In fact, there was there's one. I don't know if it's a conspiracy theory story. I how I don't know how you would prove or disprove it. But supposedly the um, entertainer, you know, the actor and comedian Jackie Gleason. You know, younger mm-hmm. people might not know that name, but we would. Um, the honeymoon. Yes, the honeymooners. <laughs> you power it. to the moon. <laughs> the original. Yeah. The, the original wife abuser. <laughs> right. You know. No, I'm just kidding. He was good. He, he was a very um, entertaining person, but he supposedly was taken by somebody, a friend in the military, and met with or was shown um, an alien, a living alien, not a dead body. And the Eisenhower really? met with the aliens too. So there was some kind of pact or agreement that they that the government would not out the aliens at that point, and that um, the aliens would um, decide when they were going to make their presence publicly known, and that and that people couldn't handle it. So they but that they would be allowed to do what they needed to do, and that we would stay out of their activities, and in in turn they would stay pretty much out of ours. Of course, I don't know if that was you know if that was. Um, honored because look at how many people have claimed to have been abducted. So if they weren't interfering with our activities, how come all these people were abducted for purposes of – especially if you're impregnating people and having hybrid children. I mean, that's pretty – I know.
0: There was a really good
2: researcher named Bud Hopkins, but he died I think two years ago. Oh, and he was from West Virginia, and he did a lot of um, research in um, New York City. But – I Wanted to mention this one man, he died under very odd circumstances and there's been a lot of conjecture as to what actually happened. A man named John Mack, M A. C. K. and he was a Harvard invest he worked at um Harvard University in Cambridge Mass. And mm-hmm. he started the first UFO abductee group, you know, like a support group for people that believed they had been abducted.
1: Okay. And
2: um he did extensive research on people. And some consciously and some under hypnosis. And a few, uh, I think, about six years ago, maybe, maybe, no, maybe more like ten years ago, he was at a conference mm-hmm. in London, and he went for a walk afterward, and a car came up over the sidewalk and ran over him and killed him. Now, don't you think that's a little unusual
1: <laughs> that he's randomly,
2: he's randomly okay. taken out like that?
1: Yeah. That's and his research was
2: regarded as being very valid, you know. I mean, there was. Oh, so, so
1: definitely and so he,
2: he was taken out, you know. So I, I, I'm i not saying that he was, you know, murdered, but. Because um, they did, you know, they did apprehend the, the motorists that ran over him. At first I thought it was mm-hmm. like a hit and run, but they did. You know, and there didn't seem to be, it, it seemed to be truly, you know, a situation. An like, accident yeah an
1: accent but i'm not sure <laughs> yeah me either and i don't you know it just sounds too connected or too <laughs> like hmm, okay <laughs> so you know in the in the
2: field of ufo investigation you've got everything ranging from they're very scientific and they're very sound and logical to the conspiracy theorists. Oh, there's a man. I don't want to give his name because I, I think it's probably best not to, you know, because he is mm-hmm. um, a kind of person that would <clears throat> sue people. But he's okay. um, well known on the Internet. And he's he's a um, lawyer and he's also um, a scientist. And
0: mm-hmm.
2: he claims, this, this gentleman who will remain anonymous, claims to have been part of a group um, this is this is this becomes very interesting. The tail end of this story, he becla- he claims to be part of a group as a child and as a teenager who were um, t- taken by the government and used an experiment of teleportation and time travel. So he, really? says on, he says he's been on Mars, and 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 he's a very intellectual person, but he could be crazier than a bedbug. Who knows? Who's but he, he also too? claimed that um, President Obama. Uh, who he says that's not his real name was also part of this group at one point and has also been to Mars.
1: <laughs> okay, okay. <laughs> he's so awesome also, maybe <laughs> yeah. President Obama is pretty awesome guy.
0: Why not? <laughs>
1: yeah, he's been, and he's
2: actually you know like not the the age. He, he's you know he's sort of a hybrid being himself, and I'm thinking.
1: Okay. Well, all right. <laughs> well, he's probably like two hundred and fifty year old, you know, <laughs> years old. And, I wonder how and old his wife is. <laughs> I know. So you know, family.
0: you have you have all this
2: very varia- <laughs> you have all this variation, you know, from the most logical and practical to to really out there.
1: <laughs> yeah. Way left field. Mm-hmm. But if, you know what it it is interesting it does excite the imagination you know in 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 our imaginations this is you know very interesting stuff and great stuff to speculate about but like you said for me the reality i don't think i'd be loving the reality because it's it's so unknown
2: there's in, that element of uncertainty that and because we're mortal beings you know there's that there's that survival instinct and it, and, and it does bring a certain element of discomfort or even fear to the surface,
1: and it does. And it challenge. And in some, for me, it challenges who we really are. Yes, know? it does. It really. It also
2: makes makes all the squabbles that people are having here on Earth seem pretty petty when you think of you know when you think of the possibilities and you know of beings with 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 powers or capabilities far beyond our own, it makes all this fighting look really ridiculous that we're going through. It makes it look like totally foolish.
1: It's like we're squabbling amongst ourselves. We don't even know what's coming for us. I know. Let me ask you a question. Have we're all scattered. Let me ask you a question. Have
2: you you yourself ever observed – Anything otherworldly, you know, I mean, you know, I don't mean like in the subway or on the street, I mean, out, out <laughs> there.
1: <laughs> Actually, no, I have not. I have never, you know, maybe once or twice I might have looked in the sky and said, What's that? but to be honest, I couldn't comprehend what that was, so I dismissed it. Two weeks
2: ago, this Monday, um. I was sitting and I'd just been, you know, watching a show on TV. And no, it wasn't a, um, a, a matter of suggestibility because I wasn't watching anything terribly spooky or, or unusual. And it was, it was a clear night. Of course, it's summertime, and I thought I would open up the front door. We don't use our front door; we come in through the side through the kitchen. So the mm-hmm. front door opens out onto a lawn, and we're like I said, we have a nice, you know, big lawn, and then we have you know a lot of trees, and then there's more trees, and then you know maybe about th- three minutes or four minutes walking distance down the, you know, we have a long driveway, but down on the road there's the uh, church, which is about four minutes away. Uh, mm-hmm. So over by the church, over you know, I could see the top of the steeple from, from our house, and it was 11 o'clock at night, and something just prompted me to go to the door and open it up and look out, and there, there were all the stars. I could see the Big Dipper over on one side, and then straight mm-hmm. ahead, looking to the west, were a bunch of stars with a really bright one in the middle. I thought oh, that must be Venus because Venus is traditionally the you know one of the brightest stars. And I'm watching, and all of a sudden the bright star moves straight up, goes to the left, oh. and then travels in oh. a silent arc across. And I'm going, okay.
0: <laughs> I said, and it was
2: so obviously not a plane because in another section of the sky you had a, you know, you you had a plane going, you know, a passenger plane or whatever going. And, and and when it moved, I could see that it wasn't a star not only because of the light and because of the way it was moving, but because it was obviously closer because there were a, there was a little tiny patch of clouds, and it went into the clouds to try to hide itself or traveling through, and they would come out through the other side. And I said, you know, that's not a plane. I mean, it was so obvious that it wasn't a plane. So I can't tell you what I saw, but I know I didn't see a jet. There was no sound of a jet in the air. It was not a commercial airliner. It was not a drone. Several friends said, oh, you saw a drone. I said, I think I know the difference mm-hmm. between a drone and a white orb. <laughs> yeah, right. And it took wow. off pretty fast, you know, much faster than a plane would be traveling. Once it got going, it was, like, really fast. And So and right, it wasn't a comet didn't... because it wasn't that fast. It was traveling, but it wasn't streaking. It wasn't streaking through the air. It
1: had some some amount of control. Yeah, yeah. That's interesting. Well, so, Aurelia says that she's seen two moons. I don't know what hmm. that means, but she's seen two moons. Now, who's this? But We only have one. <laughs> who's that two moons? Producer, Oh, really? Producer, yeah, she says she's seen two moons, and we only have one that I That's know. That's very of.
2: interesting. That's very interesting.
1: Yeah. So I, I don't. I think I've looked in the sky maybe once or twice and saw something I didn't understand. Mm -hmm. And like I said, because my brain said, I don't get it, I just said, I don't get it too. (laughs) And maybe that was my fear or my sense of survival. And then once in a plane coming from North Carolina, I saw Mars closer than I've ever seen it before. Oh, wow that was it it was gorgeous and it was really fascinating but i think at least for me when i see something that is when when you think of authenticity mm-hmm. there's a I, there's a feeling that i get that's like no other it's not fear mm-hmm. it's somewhere between fear and awe that's exactly you
2: know, that describes perfectly what i felt 2 weeks ago when i saw that white light I was compelled Mm -hmm. to look at it. I didn't feel like I wanted it to come any closer. But at the same time, I wasn't completely afraid or feeling. I just had this sense of awe, but I had this sense of caution too.
1: Yeah. And that's when I know it's something different than Mm -hmm. what I experience in my waking life every day, akin to what I know as Mm -hmm. a human experience. Yeah, so yeah. that's when I know. Ooh, this is not. Ooh, this is different because I have seen like on TV they you they'll show you things um, like UFO sightings and some of them you're like, yep, okay, and you're like, ooh, that one's different. Yeah. <laughs> yeah,
2: and then some oh, of them are obviously wow. you know not. <laughs> yeah. And if you were uh, you know Penn and Teller, if you were Penn and Teller, you'd knock the whole thing down. They they don't believe in anything. I don't even think they think they're alive. <laughs> <laughs> They're such, they're so skeptical. Their whole well, of course, their their whole bid for fame is based on their ability to be kind of snarky and 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 funny yeah. with their you know comedic with their skepticism.
1: I think. Interestingly say, enough, you um, know that one doesn't speak.
2: <laughs> well, Pen Gillette, Penn thats his name. Gillette is actually uh-huh. from only thirty miles south of where I live. He's from Greenfield, Massachusetts, originally. So, really. And, you know, it, and if you know Greenfield, you 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 wouldn't uh, question why he's such a skeptic because that town. Okay. You know, yeah, the, the, you know he he just thinks that everything that's unusual has a totally logical explanation. If anyone anybody wants to believe anything even you know beyond that, that they're foolish. And he's yeah. made a whole career out of that, which I think is crazy because you know to take the mystery out of life. Um, I know where's the joy that, i I think that you know it, it removes joy as well, yes, and I think that it really um, make- reduces our our living to a mechanical process that we just are born, mm-hmm. we breathe, we die, you know it's right like if you take if you take that up, i think there it's healthy
1: to have some element of mystery, it's just not healthy when people get carried away with it, absolutely, and is anything you know you take it to um the point where there's nothing left to enjoy about it, right?
2: Right. I mean, you might as well go back to, yeah. But he, I mean, even even primitive people, you know, cave dwellers probably regarded, you know, falling stars or asteroids or everything as, you know, of course they. Some people built religions and thought it was the gods making this happen, but it was mm-hmm. that sense of wonder and that sense of awe and that sense of trying to place it in context with things. They were trying to make a. You know, contextual referential point of you know this means something. When when you take right. the meaning totally and just shoot it down, then all you've got is you know maybe an attitude of drink and be merry because tomorrow we die.
0: Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> like
1: oh, okay. <laughs> but I so, have I have heard the theory that in the big in the big grand scheme of the universe. Where we live, Earth is the most challenging of terrains, scenarios and situations to live in in the universe as opposed to other beings. So the fact that there are people here is pretty fascinating that we even do this. (laughs) Well, you know, another thing occurred to me. You know, it's like
2: when you think of H.G. Wells and the War of the Worlds, or mm-hmm. you think of the uh, the original Mars Attacks that was made into a movie by Tim Burton in the 90s that was made into kind of a comedy, but the original right. Mars Attacks was a bubblegum card series, b- back when people used to c- do collectible bubblegum cards. You mm-hmm. know, um, It was 1962, and it w- they were test marketed in New England. Now, ha- what stupid business person ever thought of that? Because New England is always associated with being kind of a provincial repressed, you know, kind of puritanical environment. Right. So what do they do? They test market these cards that show these really fearsome aliens doing really horrible, gory stuff and they market these as bubblegum cards to children.
0: <laughs> so so you've got one where an alien is
2: shooting a ray at this kid's dog and the dog is disintegrating, you can see the bones and they've got another one where somebody's oh being God. operated on the table and they're alive. You know, all these horrible things. But I'm thinking like that is so such a human concept we've anthropomorphized our you know the aliens into being as vicious and violent as or even more so than we are,
0: mm-hmm. you know
2: so I'm thinking, what if there are you know like you said where there are places in the universe that are really idyllic and peaceful and really productive, and where they just don't have this need to fight with each other or to attack you know maybe you know maybe there are p- places where we could actually, you know, achieve the kind of evolution that we supposedly talk about aspiring toward. Maybe there are beings that have already achieved that.
1: How about that? I mean, we're we're all set to go to Mars and, and just set something down on that planet. How do we know we aren't trampling life? <laughs> you know, but exactly. maybe it doesn't look, yeah, it might not look like, you know, life as we see it, but we just send a big old thing over there and it just sits down. And ro, you know, just roaming through the landscape, we might we might be killing all kinds of things. <laughs> and of course, what's what's
2: one of the most popular uh, franchises in the, in um, feature film history? Star Wars, not yes, stars, not but Star, Star Wars,
0: <laughs>
2: <laughs> where Our you know, journey. once once again, you know, people beings fighting other beings, and and that and yeah. that
1: really appeals to humans. It does, sadly, sadly.
2: I think it's that god complex that you know that we have in our psyche that says oh if we can defeat the enemy we will be the powerful we will have we will we will be in the seat of power so I think it's that yeah. god complex of like imbuing god with the idea that god is all powerful and can destroy us if we don't you know behave and that sort of thing so I think, you know, the idea with Star Wars is that here we are fighting the good fight with, you know, some interesting creatures that we can market as toys.
0: <laughs> there um, you go. And we so, can make
2: money from. Yeah, exactly. So I mean, what if there are utopian existences and in places where, you know, that's not even a consideration where there is just the element of unity and cooperation? You know
1: now I sound like nice. now my sixties roots are showing, I guess, oh no, <laughs> well, what if we're me. seen as the aggressive planet. What if we are from you know the view of others in the galaxy or in the universe? We're seen as the aggressive planet. Mm-hmm. We're seeing everybody mm-hmm. else as mm-hmm. being aggressive toward us, maybe they're looking at us saying, no, you're the aggressors,
2: yeah, you're the ones that always um shoot first and ask questions later. <laughs>
1: Yeah, and we have to kind of keep you a day because we don't trust you
2: <laughs> from what we you. Oh, I'm looking at that book I mentioned, Capture, the Betty and Barney Hill UFO Experience, and I mentioned J. Allen Hynek, the one that had um, investigated for the government who um, ter- used the term swamp gas. He later mm-hmm. became a believer in aliens and that the UFOs were from other worlds, but at first he didn't. Um going to read a little thing here. It says, Heineck was the official astronomical consultant to the U.S. Air Force's Project SIGN. That was the name of it, Project SIGN, Mm S-I-G-N, and later Project Blue Book from 1948 to 1969. He earned his doctorate in astronomy at the University of Chicago and was director of the Lindheimer Astronomical Research Center at Northwestern University and chairman of Northwestern's um, Astronomy Department. He also served as associate director of the Smithsonian Astrophysical Observatory in Cambridge, Massachusetts, as well as heading its NASA-sponsored satellite tracking program later. Realizing that the UFO hypothesis had not been disproved, Hynek founded the Center for UFO Studies to prove that they were valid.
1: Now that's interesting. Another interesting piece of this puzzle is where does NASA stand on this? Well, I think NASA,
2: you know, it's like the government people saying, "Oh, they're the, the Illuminati or the shadow government behind the government." Um, NASA, you know, let's 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 go back to a very interesting point. We supposedly and probably did go to the moon in 1969 on, on in, in equipment that is now you know quite primitive. But mm-hmm. Why did the program, other than financial reasons, not progress very far after that? Uh, we had shuttles, but well, of course we you now we had problems with some of the shuttles. But how come no other attempt was made? You know, well, not uh, not no other attempt, but that the eventual traveling and space program was delayed for almost forty years. What
1: happened? Yeah, what
2: That's was really crazy. going on behind the scenes that caused this?
1: So, right, so I you think NASA's, have
2: thought I think there's more to it than meets the eye. I think NASA has had one hand tied behind its back as far as the progress that probably could have been made i don't think that the capability was lacking i think somebody shut the programs down i do too
1: for real and what would be that reasoning
2: and then of course there's other theories that you know the the technology we have right now which is probably only the tip of the iceberg of what we really could have with cell phones and with you know a digital and and the whole nine yards, was mm-hmm. an outcropping of technology that was found in crashed UFOs, like in Roswell and other places, that they that they did reverse engineering, that's what they call it, and they were mm-hmm. able to trace back what the aliens were already using, so that the aliens already had this capability of using the kind of data that we have now. But I think even beyond that, how, you know, if if these aliens that kidnapped, if they did, in fact, kidnap Betty and Barney Hill, um, or Barney and Betty Hill, either way you want to I just, call it. I just got to um, check
1: that Steve Job was an alien.
2: You know, if, if they came from Zeta Reticuli, which would take mm-hmm. how many light years to get from there to here, you know, they must right. have a mode of travel that allows them to supersede or go teleport or do something.
0: Right. Where they didn't have Absolutely. to take years and
2: years to get here and go because, back, because human people, human beings, right now,
1: if they when they go to Mars, it's going to take them several years to get to Mars. And maybe you know. there is a triple highway in 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 space that we don't know about. We know about we know about wormholes, and there was a huge experiment in France mm-hmm. where they were trying to recreate wormholes. Yeah, and every. Every country was involved. See, for seconds, I know this because my daughter looked at it and was horrified. So she thought we, you know, if they succeeded, Earth would implode. So I had to go research (laughs) and Mm -hmm. make sure that this was not going to happen for her. But at the same time, I found this very, very fascinating, and it kind of said to me that you would think uh, NASA would be the you know the agency probably see, overseeing this or being involved in this, but this was another worldwide investment that hardly anybody knows about that or has really heard of. Mm-hmm.
2: mm-hmm.
1: And you know, in some of the
2: um, cases, you know, many of the cases where um, jets are chasing objects or people are, you know, pursuing through the you know through the air, um, trying to you know catch up with these vehicles or objects or lights as they're as they're traveling the lights will suddenly disappear, and the speculation on some people's part is uh, on some people's parts is that um they're going in in and out of wormholes or in and out of other portals other dimensions mm-hmm. that they're not just disappearing off the radar because they traveled so fast that they disappeared that they're actually able to go in and out of openings you know in in space and maybe yeah, there's a highway and we're not evolved enough to understand it. Right. Cuz look at the Bermuda Triangle and, and vehicles that whose debris was not discovered later on. Who yeah. um, people that disappeared for you know for all time and eternity, you know they they've they're gone. And they, mm-hmm. they didn't find them in the ocean, you know. They they didn't find you know a piece of the Malaysian air airliner. Some of these some of these people literally disappeared. You know, it's like, did they go into another dimension? Did they go into another
1: time frame? What, what, what actually happened? Right. It's really fascinating stuff that we don't. It's, you know we don't know. It's so much we, don't, we know. don't know. Right. And therefore, I go back to Penn and, you know,
2: Pen and Teller. How with all these questions and all these you know marvelous mysteries can you be satisfied with living in a in a world where everything is logic everything is concrete three dimensional everything is something you can you know kind of maneuver manipulate or understand according to linear thought you know what's the harm right. i mean if you didn't have you know the ability to transcend the logical you wouldn't have had a da vinci you wouldn't have some of the greatest inventions or or Geniuses in the world, you wouldn't have had Einstein. You you know, don't Mm -hmm. they feel that those people, you know, weren't they great contributors? Didn't they give something of value by going beyond the norm? And,
1: And the thing about that I think is fascinating about Einstein is although we look at him as like one of the greatest thinkers and scientists, some of his beliefs about life were not so linear. They weren't linear at all. And
2: he like um stephen hawking knew that mm-hmm. some of his formulas and some of his conclusions were not absolute that they might not be totally accurate i mean stephen hawking is one of the examples of you know he he's a true genius but he's also willing to admit when some theory that he's proposed is only partial or is or is incorrect he revised his right. whole you know theory about the the, the about time he he's revised mm-hmm. that several times over Um, and he, he stated recently, it's very interesting, speaking of UFOs and beings from other worlds, he said he does not feel that they're all friendly and that we might not want to be inviting every single, um, race or, um, grouping of, of beings out there, you know, might, might not want to invite them to your, your dinner
1: table. That's right. You might having a party, of June, um feel free to come by <laughs> We'll be at the pool side. No, you don't want you don't want that. I no, because
2: guess guess who's going to be dessert? You are. <laughs> that's right.
1: They're like, oh I used to say that to my mother all the time and she'd say, What is with you? I was like, You know what? We're so worried about racism and, and who's better and who's not and what's gooder and what's not it's like when the aliens come we're going to be separated. Who likes dark meat? Who likes white meat? That's exactly. <laughs> all <of> <laughs>
0: it's
1: And it's not
2: going to make a whole lot of difference in some cases. They're just going to say, all of you get over there. <laughs>
1: right. We're going to round you up. <laughs> there was a very, and, there was and, a very, go ahead. Oh, I was just, you know, reminded of a Twilight Zone. Episode. Yes, I, we're reading uh, each
2: other's minds. That's exactly what I was going to say. The one with the can Yes.
0: Oh my <laughs> God! We're having telepathy. <laughs>
2: see, see, your show, your show really pays off. We just had, we had. That's direct telepathy. We were both thinking the same thing at the same
0: time. <laughs> <laughs>
1: oh. and you know, Twilight Zone is really has really been ahead of so far ahead of its time you know, in terms of Oh these, my god, yeah. Um, mysteries of the universe and alien and time travel and all this stuff. And how but they too just bad that had study millions
2: only, only lived to be fifty years old if he hadn't you know, he smoked he was a really heavy smoker so he died of yeah. I think of cancer or heart trouble when he was like only fifty or fifty one. And he was a
0: genius
2: daughter, Yeah, he really was a genius. He 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 just thought, you know, I'm I'm a writer, I'm a I'm a TV you know, um, prog- program runner and, and producer, but he had a lot more insight than he even gave himself credit for.
1: So much imagination. And, so I mean, you know,
2: in, in that episode that we were both thinking of, the the aliens come down. They're like nine feet tall. They have you know bulbous mm-hmm. heads because they supposedly have you know huge brains, huge brain pans. Richard Keel, yeah. the actor, played played the uh, played the aliens. He played, you know, they only showed really one alien. Um, but right. He played the alien. He he, um, he later played a lot uh, a, a lot of bad guys in James Bond movies. But anyway, they have this prosthetic with his big bald, you know, head and, and big brain, and they 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 communicated telepathically. And you had this government worker and this young woman who was also working for the government, who was an interpreter, and she was trying to translate a book that they gave the humans. Had some kind of hieroglyphic on it, and she said, "Well, we know what the title is: to serve man." And at the end, the guy says, "Oh, I'm going to take one of their, you know, their tours of their planet. I'm getting on the ship." And she runs to the airport. She says, "Don't get on, Mr. Chambers. Don't get get on this
0: ship." Get on.
2: She says, "To serve man is a cookbook." (laughs) (laughs) And then the alien shoves him onto the stairs, and the stairs go up, and he's trapped, and he's going to be—he's on the menu.
1: And he won't eat because they want they want everybody to eat so they can fatten them up. <laughs> and he's like, "You're not eating. You don't oh, like okay. your your dinner." He's like, "I'm not eating." <laughs> we would not
2: want you to lose
1: weight, <laughs> right? <laughs>
2: well, be safe. So I mean,
1: that. so I don't that think I would the want
2: easy. the Canemets for my next
1: door neighbors. I no, no. And it's like he gave, in this episode, he gave so many, you know, hints and clues as to who they really were. Oh, yeah, because cannibal. cannibal. <laughs> yeah. And, and that they were going they to just,
2: cure all disease on the planet. Oh, yeah, and they made all the barren lands into fertile lands, and they they mm-hmm. stopped the military. And, and, oh, my gosh, yeah. And peace was supposedly, if, you know, that's the thing. Even though peace... Prevailed on the planet. It was an enforced, you know, thing because humans, you know, didn't willingly all become higher beings that don't fight with each other. It's just that they, they immobilized the uh, the armies. Yeah. So I mean, it was something to think about because I think there, you know, I believe, you know, it's just a belief, you know, nobody else mm-hmm. has to believe this, but I do believe that there are probably beings that um, exist that do have the capability of dominating us or even eating us. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Uh, But there's the key word, being. You know, it goes back to the whole, not religion, but the whole concept of creation itself beyond just an ideology. You know, if there are beings in this realm that are separate from us or the appearance of, you know, you're you, you, I'm me, we all look like we're separate little units of life, then Mm -hmm. where does that spark or that you know that that energy that creates the whole life force the chi if you will where's it actually where does it originate where where is that emanating from so even right. if you have other you know beings they've got to have you know some connection we're all connected even to them through through a network of existence you know so um it would be interesting to know, you know, to talk to. It would be interesting to talk to more peaceful people from other worlds, because then, for example, what would happen with our concept on this planet of of, of Jesus, for example,
0: Jesus being right. the Son
2: of God? I mean, did Jesus sort of uh, spontaneously appear on all these other planets and other forms as well? You know, is there, you know, is there, in other words, a state? Do they have a system where there's a savior and a and a supreme being and and you know yes. how does it work or for the creator?
1: Yeah, yeah. How does where do they think life comes from? Right. What is their belief I, I would, system? Or if, if there your, is a belief system to have.
2: Right. Right. I really would. I really would be fascinated to know what their, you know, how how that operates or how that works for them.
1: Yeah, it's it's all really interesting, and again, it may, it brings into the question of existence. How do we? Why do we? When you know where did that start? And you know everyone has their different scenarios on, as to how that came into being.
2: I mean, we we're born. I mean, we we're born. we have mortal <laughs> beings, and we and we've identified that theoretically we have souls. So that these bodies are not the sum total of who we are. You know, they're part of you know our our experience and our ex- existence you know, in, in the mortal world, but there seems to be, you know, the you know the acceptance that there's an energy, except for atheists who think we just die and that's it, um, mm-hmm. there seems to be this acceptance amongst um, philosophers and religious, you know, um, followers, that we go on in some form, in some energy to something else. Now, some people like the Mormons believe you literally go on as the person you are, and that, you know, that's, it. but what if you don't? what if what if it's just an energy that goes on and you know then the whole thing of reincarnation doesn't you know it all ties together but i right. think one thing we you know if we were able to effectively and rationally communicate with people from other worlds we might be astounded at what they have to tell us about um the whole con- you know the, the whole construct of birth death and and, and afterlife
0: mhm
1: it's really it- it brings up so many, you know, the divine mystery. Yeah, yeah. And what what does that mean for each and every person or being? Exactly. Ah, it's so, so complicated. <laughs> it's, but you know, all, it gives it gives us something to ponder instead of terrorism A minute. All kinds of other crazy things that we think are important, and maybe they come to to distract us from our destructiveness. What do you think? I think it's it's the
2: duality of both the you know, the, the whole realm, and that we are you know we're perfect um, we're perfect examples, we're perfect, perfect symbols of positive negative. Um, Mm -hmm. polarity. Polarity seems to be one of the key um, quantum factors in human existence because you have dark and light, good and bad, good and evil, you know, male and female. And of course we have permutations in between, but um, Mm -hmm. everything here seems to be dependent on two poles that balance somehow in the center. And in the center is something that kind of unites it all and transcends it. So that's why I said this is all a grand illusion, because on one level it probably is. Um, mm-hmm. um And then I'm looking at something very interesting. Um, it, they're talking at the end of this book, um, Capture the Betty and Barney Hill um, UFO mm-hmm. Experience, and they're talking about her I never I hadn't actually read the end of the book it was talking about when Betty was an elderly woman and when she was um she became ill and of course what led to her death and they mm-hmm. said that um they said that when she got really ill um, there were several odd things that happened one she was she was pretty much immobilized but yet they couldn't find her one morning, and she was outside the house and they didn't know how really? she got there and you know different things were moved around, and it said that her cat, whom she was very close to, suddenly became very afraid of her and wouldn't go near her. Of course, sometimes the animals really? will will sense that a person's dying, and they'll either want to be right by the person or they'll avoid the person, but they said that wasn't the cat was actually showing fear it said um." Betty's constant feline companion, the giver and taker of unbridled affection, suddenly feared Betty. She seemed unusually timid and skirted the perimeter of the living room, suspiciously eyeing Betty as she passed to her food bowl. The remainder of her day was spent in hiding, and this lasted for nine days. Wow. Um, So they said that... um, what had happened was she died of a of a, of a brain tumor and the malignant well a malignancy that spread to her brain it metastasized to her brain and adrenals generating a rapid decline. Um, so, it's very interesting um, because it, it it happened at the turn of the uh, when twentieth century became the twenty first century. Of course, she also was a very heavy smoker. She had it was it's a two pack a day cigarette habit. <laughs> So, yeah, like, but wow, it's uh, it's interesting as I'm reading this. You know, um, wow, that Betty said. Betty said this is this is probably a good closing statement. She said that each of us is like a speck of sand on a beach. Some are born closer to the water's edge, and others are born on the upper side of the beach, farther away from the tide. With each high tide, grains of sand are swept away into the ocean. Those at the water's edge are sometimes carried to the top, and those at the uh, on the upper side of the beach are sometimes swept into the currents by winds and storms. However, some of these grains of sand, whether carried by the tide or originating on the upper beach, escape being swept into the turbulent sea completely. It is those who go down in history. So, she was mm. saying that, you know that there are some people that are meant to be the carriers of the stories and the information and the, you know, inventions and insights and discoveries, and others are just kind of, you know, living their average life. Of course, in Buddhism, they would have a name for those souls that just live um, a very mundane life, and then the mm-hmm. avatars and teachers, which um, carry more, and it said. If Betty could have had her wish, she would have gone down in history as a groundbreaking social worker and a social and political activist. It was never her wish to go down in history as a UFO abductee. However, she was carried among those grains of sand that rose to the top, and unintentionally she met her fate.
1: Very That's interesting, because I was, I, I was listening to uh, someone on YouTube, mm-hmm. and they were talking about souls and how peace, you look at someone's life and and you go, well, how did they get there? Or how did that happen? Or why did that happen to them? And from um, our everyday perspective, we're like, oh, that's a shame. Oh, that's terrible. But for that individual, that might have been a contract. They had, you know, a design that they were totally aware of on some level, and they've done what they came to do or they had the experience that they wanted to have. So sometimes looking at it, you go, oh, my God, that's awful. But actually it's a celebration of what someone agreed to.
2: I think that's true, and I think when somebody has a difficult life, and I'm not complaining and saying I've had an ultra-difficult life, but I've had a very a very complex life i was adopted um it was a, quite a, an issue for me and i've had many many twists and turns that um uh, my human self could go what the hell is going on why did that happen why is this happening like this summer i got bitten three times by ticks by different kinds that i know of but i mean i went through a mm-hmm. whole regimen of you know the antibiotics and everything because i started to have the symptoms but then they all disappeared
0: and then I got mm-hmm. bitten
2: a second time and then just a, um, 3 weeks ago I got bitten again. And I and I'm very careful. But I live in a place where it's just almost, you know, they're they're just everywhere here. And when I was right. growing up, there's another point. When I was growing up, I didn't know what a tick looked like till I was 41 years old. They never had it, ticks were probably here, but they weren't they weren't rampant like they are now.
0: And right. well, dangerous. I'm thinking <laughs> like,
2: you know, the, the whole environment has shifted. Now it's every summer on the news here, it's like, you know, be careful, spray yourself with DEET or whatever you're going to put on. Um, and so it's really unusual to think that, you know, that the environment itself has shifted, and we've shifted w- whether we think, you know, we're changing or not. We are. We we don't perceive ourselves as aging every day of our lives, but, you know, these bodies are aging Mm-hmm. And I'm thinking about, you know, people's contracts and people being, coming into certain patterns of fate, you know, one could say, you know, like people that supposedly randomly get shot by a sniper, you know, why was it their fate, and the and yet somebody else doesn't befall, you know, that fate does not befall them. Um, right. And... With with the whole UFO thing, all my life long, I can tell you that I didn't consciously set out to do this. But when I was a child or a teenager, I always knew when I could go out the door and be able to see one. I knew, I could sense that they were out there active certain nights. And like when I went um, two weeks ago Monday and opened the front door and saw that light move up, I don't know what prompted me to, I don't, I... <laughs> Let, let me tell right. you. Right. In year I I don't open the front door and just randomly gaze out say at the stars. Not that I'm not a stargazer. Yeah. But I mean, what made you know? Why did I do that? You know, obviously, just in time to see that thing. And of course, yeah. Penn and Teller would say, "Oh, you didn't see a UFO. You just saw, you know, it was a shooting star." And I'd right. say,
1: "Yeah, well, no, it wasn't."
2: And beyond well, just.
1: Actually, go, I actually have ahead. a question around that. Um, that I had written down this morning that I wanted to ask you. Um, And it's because of your your intuitive nature. Do you think that that's something that attracts you to them and them to you? I believe so because the
2: woman I learned from, you know, and we didn't sit down in a formal way, the woman I learned about tarot cards from and palmistry and that Mm -hmm. sort of thing, and these these things sort of unru- uh, um, evolved over a period of time of knowing her. It wasn't like we sat in a classroom and I learned it in an academic way. Mm-hmm. Um, the first time I met her, after she said hello, the very first thing she said to me was, you know about them, and she pointed to the sky. Oh, wow, really? So, I yeah, I think there is some sort of connection, and I don't know where it comes from, why it is, and... And I don't have answers. I have a lot. Of, I, I've had a lot of, you know, um, observation and and interaction visually. I can't tell you in any kind of, you know, uh, you know, I can't tell you in any intellectual way what any of it means or if, you know, I don't pr- I don't propose that I'm going to write a book and that they're going to channel information through my brain and I'm going to dictate mm-hmm. it and put it into writing. I, I mean, that isn't. You know, but I have always been aware of their presence. Mm-hmm. And lately, there seems to be a feeling of more activity. And for the past couple of years, there there really wasn't that sense. Maybe it's because I was caught up in other things and just not tuned in. But I didn't feel it, even though the reports for MUFON were increasing. You know, and I kept thinking, oh, where am I? Where are my little, you know, friends, so to speak, that I used to observe all the time? I mean, one time I yeah. was on the phone back in the late '80s. I was talking to somebody. It was it was springtime. And I felt this sense, and I said, just a minute, I've got to put the phone down. And I walked out the door, and I looked. I, d- I could have scanned the whole sky, but I didn't. I walked out the door and immediately looked to my right, and there was this bright, solid red light going across the sky, solid. And when I got wow. and my my gaze right on it, it stopped, it expanded, then contracted and was gone.
1: It was like it acknowledged you and left.
2: It left, <laughs> like, right, exactly. Hello. And I went back in and I started, you know, resumed my conversation.
1: And I thought, well, afterwards I thought, well,
2: what was that? You know, were you being, you know, what made you go out and what prompted you to and what was that little, you know, what was that whole interaction all about?
1: Consciously, I, I don't a, know. I have a thing with the moon. For some reason, I have a I feel like I have a connection to the moon. Well, you're also and a cancer sign, and cancer is ruled is, by the moon. This is true. This is hey, yeah, that's right. And whenever the moon is, I, I can I almost feel it like when it's mm-hmm. approaching my window. Mm-hmm. I feel it when it's approaching my window, and it's really extremely bright to me. There's like a ray of it that's very bright to me, and I'll look out of my window and be like, "Hey, moon, <laughs> it's good to see you.
0: How are you?"
1: <laughs> and when it doesn't pass my, my, you know, it's not in my vicinity, but it always seems huge to me. No matter how small it is or, you know, how how distant, that connection to the moon is, for me, feels huge. That's very interesting. That's very interesting. Because, I mean,
2: of course, in, in human, you know, um, symbolic circles, you know, the moon is feminine. It's it's, you know, it's a, it's a, it's a watery symbol and Mm -hmm. it symbolizes you know, the female principle of intuition and, you know, the mother, you know, so it's matriarchal. Um, it's really interesting that you, that you would respond to that. Of course they say that the, you know, the moon obviously they've, you know, it's been proven the gravitational pull and effect on the tides here on, on earth of, of the water. Um, do you feel um, when the moon is, quote-unquote, full?
1: Because tonight's a full moon, by the way. Yeah. I really feel, like, excited and happy. hmm hmm Yeah, because tonight's know, a full say, moon. They'll... And, of course, when the but moon when the, is full, mm-hmm. it's in the opposite sign
2: of um, whatever sign it's in. We're in the sign of Virgo. So the moon tonight will be in Pisces, which is a water sign moon. So you would probably have even more of an effect being a water sign person. So I think that, you know, that's interesting. It's really interesting. Because, you know, science has said that the moon is a dead, you know, it's spun off from the earth and that it's dead, that it has very little energy. And I
1: don't believe that at all. I don't either. I'm telling you, Steve, it's like like I'm seeing like a friend. Like if a friend calls, I'm like, like, hey, how are you doing? And I don't know why. I'm (laughs) I'm just really excited to see the moon whenever I see it, and and whenever I feel it, and it's like, hey, how are you? I
2: don't yeah, know you what have it obviously some some very strong positive connection to that that the energy that is making you know that that is what we call the moon, and yeah, yeah. As, mm-hmm. whatever it is, it's it's an extremely positive thing for you.
1: Yeah. And for some last... people,
2: like you know, my mother, when she was um, when when she was training as a nurse, she said she got accidentally locked in a, a in in the ward of the state hospital with the mentally um, ill um, patients on a full moon. And she said, I can tell oh. you for sure that there is a lot of activity that goes on when the moon is full.
1: <laughs> she was pretty scared. Oh <laughs> uh, yeah, because I some people just. Or, like, don't go out on the full moon thing. And I was like that for a while just because that's what people said. But, you know, the last, this past week, I've seen the moon, you know, pass my window, and I've been watching it, you know, do its thing. And it's been so fun and so familiar, and it's made me so happy. I don't know what it is.
2: I think that's wonderful.
1: It's wonderful. It's a good
2: source of strength for you.
1: Yeah, I think so. I'm like, hey, moon. Maybe it's a biochemical
2: thing, too, since you have that connection, speculating that maybe what it does mm-hmm. is it helps. Put, maybe it it creates a balance or maybe there's a balance that's affected by it that um, really kind of sets your biochemistry in your body, you know, in a very positive, you know, receptive and peaceful um, state. When, the, when, when mm-hmm. you're interacting, yeah, and probably your That's intuition cool. will probably heightened
1: too. Maybe, so. but it, you know, it's just been a fun experience, and I've and I've noticed over, you know, over time, like when the when when the moon is really big, and I forget what those are called. There's a time in like a seasonal time when you see a moon, and it's really like the harvest moon is really like big. a th- super moon. Yeah.
2: Well, you know, um, there's been some material that has surfaced. Of course, the Internet has all kinds of, you know, stuff, real and unreal, <laughs> a lot of it unreal. Right. But yeah. supposedly some of the astronauts who first visited the moon from here, the ones that supposedly were there, um, mm-hmm. they said that, you know, there's a whole segment of audio that was lost when they were communicating with NASA, Um where they had a, a sound drop out and it was just static. Where supposedly they said, "Oh, look, they're watching us," and that there were other vehicles nearby and other crafts nearby. Really? Uh, yeah. While they were doing whatever they were doing for the government on the moon, and then they they said that they were being observed. And other people have said that there are little structures or bases on the, of course, you know, on the dark side of the moon because for many. Years when I was a child, they used to speculate and write science fiction stories about the reason that there's the dark side of the moon and that we never see that side of the moon is because beings live there, you know, on the surface.
0: Oh. And
2: I don't know that that is, you know, particularly true that part. But, but I think that you know these you know astronauts actually did see crafts watching them. What the heck are they doing?
1: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Who are they? <laughs> We don't know. I still find we it phenomenal, phenomenal that we were
2: able to send people to the moon in the kind of vehicles that we had, because those vehicles are pretty primitive
1: compared to what could be constructed now. This is true. Very. And yeah, could you? These stealth bombers are amazing pieces of machinery. Yeah. yeah. And I mean, we felt we felt them. This was around nine eleven, and they were trying to make a point. Um, and they flew over Yankee Stadium, but they didn't tell the citizens that this was happening. Oh, so wow. we felt, yeah, it was. I I really was saying goodbye to my family that night because it was, and I was waiting for the plane that was coming to just come straight into the window. And I was talking to someone on the phone, and she dropped the phone, and she lives uh, like half a block away from me. And she went to grab her children, and, I, you know, I grabbed mine, and I just said, you know, goodbye, and I covered her face. I was like, well, at least she won't see it. <laughs> you know, you know yeah. don't look at it. We'll just exp- – what, what's going to happen is going to happen. But the power of that, and like you said, the technology from then till now has advanced so um, greatly. Where did that come from?
2: Yeah, I think that goes back to somewhere. that whole speculation of reverse engineering where supposedly scientists got information that not that I'm saying they aren't intelligent enough to come up up with it themselves eventually, but they you know, there are many sources that are saying well they were able to take some of the knowledge that they gained from what they took out of the crashed you know, vehicles or even out of talking to, you know, these other, you know, beings. Um, they mm-hmm. were able to gain some of you know modern technology comes out of that. But modern technology is just a term. You know, in twenty years from now what we're calling modern technology
1: won't be modern if whatever's no. then will be modern. <laughs> and people are like, Oh my god, how'd you live? How did you <laughs> how did you people yeah. live back then? But then there are more amazing things that predate us that we still can't figure out. Like the pyramids right. and so many other, you know, phenomenal um what these architectural designs that we can't reverse engineer cuz we're like, yeah, like how the big, did the these big heads people on do that? Island and
2: Stonehenge yeah. and
1: all of it we are like how did they make that happen based on what we think we know that they had mhm um in terms of tools and know-how and planning and how did they do that which is pretty amazing. Well, more questions
2: than answers on a on an outer level, but mm-hmm. answers intrinsically exist, you know, on a on an inner level, and I think that's what we're we're about is like accessing more and more of the, of that knowledge.
1: So, yeah. So, and what we're open to believing and and you know, actually um like I said, the mystery, being open to the, what the mystery is, and discovering that instead of being, well, you live, you die. <laughs> yeah, and if you kill the mystery,
2: you kill the spark of life. I think. Yeah. It doesn't mean if you oh my- answer the mystery that you kill life. No, you don't. But I mean, if you take the mystery out and say it's not valid, then, you know, then you're just you're just breathing. You're just you're just sort of robotic
1: then. Absolutely. Well, Steve, this was. Always, as always, so fascinating. And I always have a good time with you. Is well, thank there anything? You for... Yo, go ahead.
2: Oh, I was just going to say thank you for the opportunity to
1: plumb uh, the depths of mystery. <laughs> I know. You know, I, I'm happy to have you because it's always so fun. And, and, you know, we always get to explore a lot of interesting um, avenues. Um, and you got to come back. As always, we have an open door policy for you. <laughs> You're one of us, and thank um, you. And we have to pick this up. And, and of course, um, is there anything you want people to know about you right now before? Um, no.
2: I, 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 I continue to still do the readings that I do, um, and it's all you know word of mouth. So I don't really advertise. So. We don't need to do a commercial advertisement for that because um <laughs> 'cause I I I'm just taking it as it goes. Um I was in California last year, worked on a movie, yay, yay! That's so
0: <laughs> you know, that
2: cool. that sort of thing. I wasn't in it, I was a worker on it. Um and that was that was cool. And Excellent. um I seem to be regaining whatever health that I had temporarily um had been compromised Earlier in the spring, um, which Mm -hmm. where I did had all the symptoms of the of the Lyme, but it went away, Um, and I seem to be okay. So I'm alive,
1: and I'm about to
2: (laughs) I'm about to reach another milestone. Ooh, birthday
1: boy! Well, before yeah. you go, happy birthday to you, happy birthday to you, happy birthday from the Cocoa Express, and you the best invention ever. <laughs> happy birthday to you.
2: Thank you. <laughs>
1: You're welcome. Anyway, we're going to have you back, because this is so much fun, and um, <laughs> maybe we'll do like a reading or two, or and we'll pick another subject, and... And you know the you know the, the elections coming up. Those will be fun to talk about. So. <laughs> yeah. Speaking of mysteries. <laughs> <laughs>
0: right. That is is the mystery. public suddenly
1: hypnotized by Donald yeah. Trump? <laughs> I, I swear he's in league with the you know who. <laughs> I know.
0: <laughs>
2: I still want to it's look like, under really? that. Hair, I want to see what's under that tuft of hair. I know
1: <laughs> the reptilians and all those. Unforgiving beings that are out there. Right. Well, you know,
2: Halloween approaches, so uh, maybe we can talk about, um, I don't live in Massachusetts, but I often visit Salem, Mass. Maybe we can talk about, you know, the the Salem Witch Trials or something, because that's a big topic, because the the city of Salem, Mass, which has about 30,000 or 40,000 people, they literally um, become Halloween Town, USA all the month of October, you know. Oh and my talk goodness. about readings and everything. They have readers set up on streets, and and they pretty much you know the whole entire month is dedicated to things of a you know of a more Halloweeny type mystery. So, oh, that's awesome! You okay? It's a date. <laughs> <laughs> we, we have an October date. So I'll just take my that's cell phone and fun. you, and we can talk, and and I'll I'll be I'll go to Salem, and we'll, I'll be your reporter on the scene. <laughs>
1: yes! Oh my gosh! Yes! a date. Yeah. It's a plan. Okay. So, folks, be, stay tuned. October is going to be so much Halloween fun here on You, the Best Invention Ever, with Steve, <laughs> our reporter, on the scene in Salem. Talking to witches, You, it's going to be fun. <laughs> <laughs> I love well, it. Well, thank you again. You're welcome. And we'll see you next time.
2: Okay. Bye.
1: Okay. Bye. All right, folks. That's that was show a lot today. Of fun. So until next time, keep it real, listen, learn, and live.
0: Lucky Land Casino asking people, "What's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky?" Lucky
1: in line at
2: the deli, I guess. Ah ha! In my dentist's office.